This week's podcast brought to you by Stuff. Last night, our seven-year-old daughter said to me, Dad, why don't you work out in the basement like Mom does every morning? And I said, well, for some time I did work out with her in the basement, and then I stopped. And she said, you know those weights that are down there in the basement? And I said, yes. She said, you should lift them. <laughs> Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. With all of the events going on in our country right now, I think one thing is a fair and bipartisan thing to say, and that's we could all use a little more civility in our lives. And uh, just the other day, you and I said we were going to try to take our volume down in our in our house down a notch, which is difficult to do when you have four kids who are loud and two adults who can be loud. So we're going to take that down a notch. We don't. You don't mean to project. We all, meaning our family or all of the people out there. Maybe I people think, out there have perfectly civil lives that just don't. I think I think everyone in our country, in particular, could use even more civility. Whether it's you know even more even more civility. Even more civility. <laughs> because yeah, there's exactly. already so much out there's there. There's so much out there. So this morning, you were driving our oldest to school, and our kids woke up, and they, each one of them woke woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and bed, and that could have been because they were around their siblings right away. And kids, siblings bicker, and ours bicker constantly. So from the second they woke up, they were bickering with one another and I'd had it. And so they came downstairs and I was making breakfast. And instead of yelling at them to, to be quiet, I just put five minutes on the timer and I said, no one is, none of you are allowed to speak for five minutes because I, right now, every time you open your mouths, you are bickering with a sibling. And it was, they, none of them said a single word. You know, usually one of them breaks it and has to ask a question or whatever. I made their breakfast in peace. They sat there quietly. When the five minutes was up, they were still pretty good to each other. And um, I think that's the way I'm going to I'm going to handle it from now on is instead of yelling at them to stop yelling, I'm going to make us all have a a quiet time out. So your idea of civility is ordering them to stop talking. (laughs) Yes. Well, until they're old enough to uh, to know better. But yeah, it's better than just listening to them bicker or I mean, you and I have talked about this, us yelling at them to stop yelling. It uh, it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on some new parenting strategies and, what and you see drew if I can get the, any of them to work. What you drew from the Senate hearing was putting a five-minute timer on everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. And no matter what they have to say, when that timer runs out, the conversation is over. Are you going to get a gavel? Did you pound like a, uh, like a uh, meat tenderizer? I could. I could use the flat side of the meat tenderizer and pound. We do have a wooden cutting board, a beautiful wooden cutting board, actually, that my sister made us for Christmas last year. But I could use that. Um, yes, we should just uh, have parliamentary procedure in our house for, for all matters, put a timer on them, have a gavel. Um, my j- brother is a judge. Perhaps I'll borrow, borrow his robe and uh, and we'll be all set to 
go. <laughs> Have gavel will travel. I, uh, I like that idea. Yesterday at our seven-year-old soccer game, um, I was laughing to myself on the sideline because right when the game started, maybe a minute in, I hear one of the parents, one of the moms, just yelled to her daughter, says her daughter's names, and then and says her daughter's name, and then said, "Remember, bring the thunder, <laughs> bring the thunder." And I just loved the the notion of this ponytailed little seven or eight-year-old girl bringing the thunder on the uh, on the soccer field. And as the game went on, the mom was super good-natured and a couple more times, I think two or three more times, said to her daughter, bring the thunder. Um, but she was saying it in a way where she understood the absurdity of it, and it was funny. But it, I was listening, you know, because parents are cheering the whole game and, and, and taking notes in my phone as I'm watching this game and listening to, to some of the things that the parents were saying. One, one of them um, heard a parent say, look alive to their child, because of course at that age, there are times where the kids are just spinning in circles a parent yelling at their kid to pay attention. This was one of my favorites. A parent said, anticipate, don't just react. Um, I don't know if our daughter would have any idea what the word anticipate means. And then and then this one was good too. A, a dad was yelling at her daughter or cheering at her daughter. Just because she has it doesn't make it hers. And actually that's pretty perfect for girls um, playing sports because I know even in basketball, sometimes girls don't want to steal the ball from another player because they see it as a not nice thing to do. So just because she has it doesn't make it hers. And then as um, soon as the whistle blows and there's an extra juice box in the post-game cooler, the parent, same parent has to say, no, you can't take that. That's hers. Right, right, exactly. And now uh, there's one girl who is on our team, and I, she was pretty spunky. She would elbow every time she got next to another girl. And usually at this age, they're not physical at all in soccer. They're b- barely uh, able to just kick the ball. There's this one girl who every time she went, was fighting for the ball would just elbow the other girl on the other team right in the ribs. And, and you know, it, there were some delightful moments. I was sitting next to a dad of a player on our team, but I don't know the dad. And his daughter at one point, you know, cocked her leg back and, and swung as hard as she could and completely missed the ball. And I just look over and I see him like put his head down and shake his head. <laughs> But to his credit, not say anything, because what can you say? You know, his daughter's out there doing the best she can and um, just completely whiffs when she tried to kick the ball. But Didn't in the same game the referee put down the ball for a free kick while our daughter's team was making wholesale changes? All the players were on the field were coming off and all of the being replaced by... This was actually in the in the game the day before. Our whole entire team, which is six kids, there's only three defenders, three offensive players, and the goalie, and the six kids are coming off the field, not knowing who is coming off, who's staying on. It was uh, it was chaos, and as this line change was happening, the ref had put the soccer ball down, and the other team took their free kick and went in and uh, and scored one of their I think 15 goals. I think the final score of that game may have been 15 to nothing so it didn't impact the outcome of the game but um but yeah it would have been nice if our not even our whole team if a couple of our kids had been on the field when uh, and nobody when no adult happened. on the other team said no i i sat there and looked around and was about to say out loud our team was making subs and um and then i realized it doesn't matter this isn't my job like you know and the coaches were kind of over on the sidelines with their hands up um, questioning it. But, uh, you know, I guess that's the beauty when I'm not coaching the sport and, and I'm on the sideline, I can just sit there quietly even when, um, when something silly like that happens. But, uh, 
I think you had tweeted this to Ryan Rucco, my WNBA broadcast partner, that definitely bring the thunder definitely needs to be a part of my lexicon. You know, I've had listeners of this podcast uh, send me messages that in their disappointment that I have not yet said the term bouncy castles on air. Um, you know, that whatever was bouncy castles, because of course, when Diana Trossi had that huge comeback in the semifinals of the WNBA playoffs, I, it would have been appropriate to use there that this is bouncy castles. So now I have to work in bouncy castles and Ryan or I have to work in so-and-so is bringing the thunder. I think that would be a good one to get in this year. And while you're watching uh, our daughter's game, I'm at our son's games, and but I'm not sitting on the sidelines in a tailgating chair. I'm playing keepy-uppy with the soccer ball that I now travel with. Um, our son's team plays keepy-uppy in practice, and they try to set a record you know, of keeping the ball in the air by juggling it with your knees, your feet, your head, whatever. And uh, one of the kids... I was I was juggling the ball one day before practice, and I said, and I'd gotten 18, my record. I said to one of the kids, "You think you could? You think you could do that? You think you could keep it up for 18 touches?" And he said, "Well, I know I can, because my record's 38." So I made it my personal mission to get 38. And this is again only while waiting to pick up my son from practice, while uh, at halftime of his games, you know, on a distant field, because I need a lot of room to do this. And uh, then I kind of crossed a Rubicon where I got up to 20, 22, and I would now put the ball in the car, and when I'd have time to kill at school pickup or someplace else that wasn't a soccer field, I'd start playing keepy-uppy to the point where I would get up from my desk at home while writing, go out into the driveway, and start playing keepy-uppy at 1 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. God knows what the neighbors thought. But long story short, yesterday at our son's game at halftime, I set my record of 40. Well, congratulations. I, I did not know that you had set your record. I also didn't know that you've been getting up from your office desk to go outside to practice, but you, you haven't really been, been practicing at pickup, have you, at school pickup when we're surrounded by all the other parents in their cars? Not in the parking lot there because I need a lot more room, as I say. I need an open space when I'm trying playing keep you up in the driveway and the dog goes by or the mail truck goes by or something like that. It's a distraction and I lose my train of thought. Okay. I, need, I need a large radius to play this in. So the the impetus for this, for getting to 40, was to beat the nine-year-old boy's record of, what was it, 38? That's right. And uh, did have you told him yet that, that you trumped his record? His dad told him record? during the game, and he didn't look happy. So I assume he's <laughs> rebroken it since then. Well, uh, well, congratulations. I um, will have to celebrate. I'll to- we'll toast you tonight in your new keepy-uppy record. Thank you. Our neighbor across the street had put out um, outside of her house a number of things with a sign that just said, you know, free. And our oldest daughter went over and was excited. There's a volleyball out there. So took that. And our youngest took a Razor scooter that was out there. And one of the things that was there was a graduation gown, but also a, a sticker that you put in your back windshield, I guess. And it said student driver. It's a magnet, a bumper magnet. A bumper magnet. Uh, f- to, to put on your car that says um, that says student driver and you know we're only a couple of years away from that but I couldn't bring myself to take that because I don't want to even think about the fact that we're only a couple of years away from that I wanted to take that student driver magnet big long thing and school bus orange with black letters and just stick it on a random car <laughs> in the parking lot at school pickup and see who notices or who's getting angry you know, honking from behind them and all that I would like that uh, we were driving the other day I was in the car with our our 
seven-year-old daughter and our nine-year-old son. And the car in front of us had a, a different magnet and it said, new driver, please be patient. So it went beyond just student driver, but- Did you say new driver or nude driver? Yeah, new driver, please be patient. And our kids, as if I wasn't even there, just started having their own little back and forth. And um, our seven-year-old daughter said to me, you aren't a new driver. And then our son piped in right away and said, you're an old driver. And, uh, And then our daughter said, they should sell a sticker that says old driver, don't be patient. And that is 100% accurate because old drivers, for the most part, aren't patient. And I was trying to get across an intersection today with, with, a, with a car on the other side that was, we've talked about this many times before, that was instead of just going and obeying the rules of the road, was trying to hand gesture me through and tell me when to go. And it was, um, it was a bit frustrating. And uh, I was getting a bit impatient because I am an old driver. There is something on the back of your car that says old driver, and that is a blinking turn signal. Right. (laughs) Right. Except that I was actually turning when I had my turn signal on. So the the old, old drivers have their turn signal on when they're actually just going straight on the highway. One of the nice things for me about the WNBA season ending a month earlier than it normally does is I'm home for our son's birthday. He's born October 6th, and then our daughter is October 16th, our youngest. And there have been years where I've either missed it entirely because I've been calling a game or um, I've been traveling, so I've only been home for part of it. So each of them is having a birthday party. And it broke my heart a little bit when our our soon-to-be eight-year-old, our youngest, said to me when we were talking about her, her birthday party, she said, this is going to be my first birthday party. And I said, what are you talking about? You've had a birthday party before. She said, well, with the family and with Dampa and, and with the cousins, she said, but I've never had a birthday party with my friends. And as I thought about it, she's right. She's turning eight. And this is the first time she's had a birthday party with her friends. And she is so excited about it. Every day she asks me, any more RSVPs? Have there been any more RSVPs? Couldn't be, couldn't be happier. And our son is having his birthday party at the end of this week. And he's pretty uh, excited about it, too. And, and he has had birthday parties before. But he said, my last birthday party was when I was in preschool. And, and we were wearing superhero capes and that sort of thing. So um, so anyway, I'm, I'm happy to be home for that reason. And, and <laughs> hoping I can make up for the fact that our daughter is eight, turning eight before she has a birthday party that actually involves some friends. Not only did our youngest daughter not only has our youngest daughter never had a birthday party with her friends but we did not even give her a gender reveal party no but her gender was revealed eventually (laughs) when she was born so that was pretty much her birth was her gender reveal party as it was for so many people (laughs) and we did not know what our sex our our youngest two children were we we found out with our oldest and with our second what we were having if it was a boy or a girl but we did not know with our our son, and then with our youngest daughter. So yes, there was no party until the actual party and when she was the, born. Given the infrequency with which I changed their diapers, I didn't find out till there were two or three. <laughs> right, pretty. that's pretty accurate. But uh, a guy in Arizona, a Border Patrol agent, had a gender reveal party for his unborn child and uh, decided to fill a target with, you know, I guess, blue or pink 
powder of some kind and shot a rifle at that target, setting off a 45,000 acre wildfire, causing $8 million in damage. So, Well, I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, Which was my idea for the gender reveal party. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? Let's celebrate finding out if our child is a boy or a girl by shooting something at a target and then lighting a forest on fire. Gender reveals, I mean, it's such a relatively new thing to do. I was actually just looking it up uh, on Google instead of just asking our listeners. I actually I looked this one up. And, and it said that prior to June of 2010, gender reveal parties had a search interest of zero. This is an internet search interest of zero. There were no searches for gender reveal parties prior to June of 2010. Starting in the summer of 2010, between June and August, there was a spike of activity in searches for gender reveal parties. So actually, our youngest was born in October of 2010. So, um, so if I'd wanted to, I could have had a gender reveal party because they apparently they had started to become a thing. I, 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 I'm just guessing here. I have no idea, but it seems like they became a thing in parallel with social media and viral videos and things right. like that because don't they consist almost exclusively to provide a social media video? I would think so. I would think so. And, and the beauty is these, of course, they must be people who are having their first child because when you don't have any children yet, you have plenty of time to have random parties that, you know, you can just put together for no particular reason, even if, you know, all right, well, let's, let's have a party for a gender reveal. Once you have one child, and especially if you then have a second or a third, you don't have time for this nonsense anymore. You're too busy changing diapers or playing keepy-uppy or whatever you're doing, but you're not just throwing these random kind of parties. By the time our fourth child was born, I would hope if you were inclined to do a gender reveal, it would have involved bringing me either pink or blue tortilla chips as I sat on the couch watching TV. <laughs> that would have been the extent of my involvement in the gender been, reveal party. That would have been your uh, ideal gender reveal. Yeah. And, and especially by the time we got to the fourth, we already had two girls. We had a son. What I was most excited about, um, because after we had our fourth, we knew that we were, we were done having children. And uh, I was most excited to find out the gender just so I could get rid of all the other genders clothing, <laughs> like the, the bin of, you know, six to 12 month, 12 to 18 month, whatever it was, clothing, boys stuff in the basement. As soon as I could, that stuff was gone to goodwill. I was just so happy to be able to get rid of the stuff that I knew we would no longer use. That's what I'd be more inclined to attend somebody's cheeseburger reveal party <laughs> than I would their gender reveal party. I wonder if there are any men. And I'd be happy for them. I'd, I'd mazel tov. Like, do, do, would that be a thing that any men would enjoy attending, a gender reveal party? I guess if there's chips and beer and, you know, a game on the, the Well, TV. first of all, when you say a group of men attending a gender reveal party, it sounds like a strip club. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it pretty much does. Yeah, it's it's funny as I you know think about you know get rid getting rid of baby clothes and people you see it in movies or or people talk about you know um, when they finally for the last time get rid of the little onesie or the the little 
whatever it is and oh I'm never gonna have a baby this size again and and you send that away I was never like that I was so glad I think probably when you have as many kids as we have you get to the point where you're just so get, happy to get rid of that stuff like when it was time to get rid of the crib yes let's find somebody to take this crib when it was time to get rid of uh, you know the little jumper thing that you hand in the doorway I was thrilled to get rid of that um, that's what it's come to <laughs> I'm just that's happy to get rid your of the stuff they no longer use. That's uh, when uh, boils down to downsizing and just getting rid, of all, getting rid of all the stuff. You know, our neighbors across the street had that sign outside all weekend, free. Just take this stuff. Take it away from us, please. We put some stuff in that pile. Yeah. There has to be more to, than, to look forward to than just getting rid of all of your stuff until, you know, you've got the one-bedroom condo with all of the stuff that you used to have is gone and, you know, you're just waiting to put yourself in that final box. I, wa- I wonder what that age is, you know, because as a kid, you just want stuff. You want to get stuff and have stuff. All and, about stuff. And it's all about stuff. And then, like you said, you get to an age where it's now, all right, what can I get rid of? How do what I get do rid I- of all of this stuff? Yes. How do I get rid of all this stuff? How can, you know, how can I have time to go through this stuff? And, um, you know, what that age is. Is it in your 40s? Is it in your 50s? At, at what point... Do you go from wanting to accumulate to wanting to just unload and the, it all? And and the people who don't have that impulse, whose impulse is to go on acquiring stuff, I'm not talking about hoarders or you know people who have some compulsion to keep everything. I'm talking about acquiring more stuff throughout your life. More, you know, I want an airplane hangar full of classic cars and nine houses and uh, you know boats and stuff i mean george carlin who i've quoted before said you can't have everything where would you put it and (laughs) some people don't you know want to find out right we've talked about that before because a couple of years ago i said to you you know i want to we let's get a shed to put some of that stuff outside in and you said no if we get a shed you'll just get the stuff to put in it and whatever you move from the garage to the shed you'll now accumulate stuff to put in the garage and you I fill think, uh, you, you have enough stuff to fill the space that you have right so when i lived in new york in a one-bedroom apartment i had enough stuff to fill a one-bedroom apartment when i moved to connecticut and now live in a four-bedroom house i have enough stuff more than enough stuff to fill a four-bedroom house and that's and it and there's something it's it's an interesting phenomenon what i see with our kids too because if their room is a mess and their stuff is you know all over they're, they don't play with any of it. But the second I go in and I spend a half a day or a day in their room and t- completely tidy and get everything where it needs to go, now maybe because they can see it, they're all eager to play with the stuff. They too want less stuff they, and they want things to be neat. And, uh, and, and it's just interesting. They'll leave their stuff in a pile. They don't want to deal with it. But the second it's tidy or you've gotten rid of some of it, they then have a renewed interest in it. So I think the lesson for all of us is to get rid of all of our unnecessary stuff. And is Well, all stuff is by nature unnecessary. And has there ever been a better word, a more apt word for the thing it describes or the things it describes in this case than stuff? <laughs> no. Non-specific, non-essential uh, stuff. You are my... Stuff. <laughs> Oreos, double stuff with one F, filling. It could be anything, stuff. Uh, baseball managers refer to their pitchers having good or bad stuff. 
anything that's kind of vaguely uh, indefinable and unnecessary is stuff. It's the stuff that you stuff into a stuffed animal is stuff. The stuff. I'm, I'm almost surprised that one of Johnny the- Carson. That is funny stuff. That that's funny stuff. The, the the. There's so many definitions for stuff. I'm surprised that one of them isn't spelled with an S T O U G H as their stuff. Like you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but uh, there's got to be a lot of definitions of stuff. There's no definition. There's there's one definition of stuff, and it's stuff. That's the beauty of it. That's what I'm saying. You stuff stuff into a turkey. What is that stuff? That's stuffing. <laughs> you stuff stuff into a stuffed animal. That's stuffing. You stuff your house full of stuff, and it's just stuff. As we continue to talk about stuff, a couple months ago, I called our cable company because we had not been getting a couple of our channels. We weren't able to watch ESPN or ESPN2, which can be relatively important to me, especially during the WNBA season, to be able to to watch the games when I'm not calling them and, and somebody else is. And anyway, so I call the cable company. Or even better, I was doing one of those online chats and saying, you know, there's something wrong with our cable. We're not getting the channels that we've paid for. So as I'm going through back and forth trying to, to figure out what to do, I'm on, I'm on this chat for about 45 minutes with the person at the cable company. We get the problem resolved. And, uh, and I said, you know, can I have a credit on our bill for the two weeks that we didn't have these channels that we're supposed to have? And the person on the other end said, all right, let me check that. And then while she was checking, she said, would you be interested in this cable package essentially trying to sell me on a more expensive, more comprehensive cable package. And I was so annoyed at this point that I just typed back to her or him, I think it was a her, when I'm calling because my service hasn't worked for the past two weeks, it's probably not the best time to try to upsell me. Can you just check and see if I can get a credit on my account? And I was telling this story to Holly Rowe. I don't know if it was a, if it was a he or a she. I think it was a she because you know I wasn't talking to him. It was an e, it was a chat, and I believe the the name um, led me to believe that it was a she. You should have asked for a an online upseller gender reveal <laughs> <Right>. party. <laughs> exactly, like when when the box comes up for them to to uh, message you, it should you know have a puff of pink or a puff of blue smoke. So I was telling Holly Rowe about this story. And, uh, and and soon after that, she was I was with her actually in Los Angeles and she was on the phone and um, she'd been, she's so home so infrequently that while she was home, she had gone through her bills and realized that she had been getting charged for the past year by her, her cell phone company for service on an iPad that she no longer had and that she canceled the service on a year before. So... She's on the phone with whoever her, her provider is and telling them, you know, you need to take these years, this year worth of charges off of my bill because I haven't even owned the iPad. And then I just hear her side of the conversation and I realize they are they, too, are trying to upsell her on the package that she has on her cell phone package. And we were just laughing about how calling in to complain is, you know, I'm sure it's in every industry. You call in, you complain about something, and they take that as their opportunity to they upsell you. you. Yeah, they, they actually have a person on the other line or on the other end of the, the chat, and they're going to try to upsell you in that moment. Your call is important to us. Please hold. Your call is important to us. We want to sell you more stuff. 
more stuff. If they really cared about you in the way that their commercials suggest, they would be trying to downsell you. <laughs> Do you really need this tier of sports channels? We see that you don't actually uh, watch X, Y, or Z, so, uh, so why don't we take that off and save you $20 a month? Are you trying to downsell me? <laughs> and now it's time for what, Dave? Kids, it's time to answer our voluminous viewer mail, which has uh, been piling up over the last five or six days. Last week, we talked about how I had gone out and purchased a new landline, and I had asked on Twitter, and our, our Twitter handle is at ballandchainpod, if, uh, if anyone else still had a landline. And we got a ton of response to that, both on Twitter and on our on email, which is ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And Jessica, our friend Jessica in New York City, said she thinks we could be the only people to purchase a new landline. She said they have one, but no phone to plug into it, and doesn't and she doesn't know the phone number. So there's they actually have a landline in their apartment, I think in Brooklyn, but no phone and don't know the phone number. So um so there you go from Jessica. Kristen said, we have one, but we only de- we only use it to buzz people into our condo. What do you do if you don't want a landline and you live in a condo building and that's how you get people in? Well, my dad lives in a condo and he has a, a wall-mounted kind of video telephone thing to buzz people in. So maybe it comes with the, the condo. Perhaps, yeah. I, I don't know. And then uh, we have a few people that were old school, but my favorite response was from Rogue Zebra. Rogue Zebra, which could also be my favorite Twitter handle. And he said, we have a landline for the internet and our air antenna, hashtag old school. So does that mean they have dial-up internet if uh, if they have a landline for it? So they use it for their internet and their air antenna. I don't even know what it is. Is that just like a regular antenna? antenna? That goes up into the air mounted on your roof. This is really old school if if that's the case. Super old school, rogue zebra is pretty old school. Well, we, I've got a lot of email about landlines here. At, that's at ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Hi, B and or C. My first touchtone touch landline came with features that required a 9-volt battery. I didn't know this until years later when the phone went haywire. The battery came installed in the phone, and there was no warning light to tell you to change it. It, it had leaked acid and made the phone useless. If the battery had to be installed, I very likely would still be using it. I, I like that that he's still angry about it, and, right. um, and I like that he says to B and or C. So um, you be B for this for the purposes uh, of this, and I'll be C. <laughs> I like it as well. My current landline has caller ID, but uses household current to power it. I'm so old-fashioned about phones that it's fully wired. Even a tech-oriented friend of mine says that if you really want to talk to someone, it's best for both parties to be on fully wired phones. And of course, if you do radio interviews, they always ask if you can be on a landline. Well, they used to ask that. They don't ask that anymore because so few people actually have them. Well, anyway, he says, I check my smartphone once a week for voicemails and texts. Almost exactly the opposite of what we do. We check our landline about once a month. About for once a month, yeah. And have no need to ever to stay overnight in a mall to get one, to get a landline, that is. Because, of course, that's what people do, waiting in line for iPhones. Belated happy birthday to Steve and early happy birthday to Rebecca. And that's from Ralph in Maryland. And, and I like this as a timely email because... Ralphing in Maryland came up in congressional hearings this week. <laughs> yes, um, it sure did. I've got one from Lena, and I think this is an important one. She says, as a 911 dispatcher, I can say that landline phones are still the best option. It instantly gives me the most important information of location right away. I wish more people understood that location is not accurate, 
on cell phones. So there you go from a 911 operator. That's interesting. That actually made me think of um, the last time that I had zero use of a cell phone for a prolonged period of time was uh, on 9-11. You and I were both in New York City on 9-11 in 2001. You left in the morning to go, you were going to go play golf but in, never made it in out of Pennsylvania. And the attacks happened. And I was at your apartment alone. And I remember calling you a couple times. Not it, it rang, but went straight to your voicemail, left messages. And I just remember, you know, then we lost all cell phone coverage. And, um, and I had no idea if you needed to go through that part of the city in order to get where you were going. And um, so I didn't know. We, if we, were, we were, had made it to the entrance of the Holland Tunnel when mounted policemen uh, came and blocked off the tunnel. I, I saw a mounted, mounted policeman. On a, actually mounted on a horse policeman? Yeah, 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 at full gallop. I'd never seen that before. A, a mounted policeman, the horse at full gallop, like galloping through Manhattan. It was So we didn't know what was going on. And, and those of us, there were five of us in the car, started calling uh, one, one guy, called his dad in Alabama. I called my dad in in Minnesota because I knew they were watching the Today Show or whatever, and they said a plane had crashed into the uh, World Trade Center. It seemed at the time to us like it was an accident or something, so we drove north trying to get on onto the GWB to, to still go play golf. And of course, we weren't able to do that. And by that by the time we got that far uptown, we knew something uh, terrible was happening. And I just remember being in your apartment for I don't know how many hours, couldn't get in touch with you, had no way of knowing you know, if you were okay. And then hours later you came into the apartment and I had that, that emotion that I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of times in, as parents where you walked in and I had relief and then sort of rage when I said, well, where have you been? And you're, oh, we're just hanging out at a buddy's watching the news and I'm like, you couldn't have called your apartment and let no, me. No, I couldn't uh, have. I let couldn't, me know that, that was the whole point. We couldn't get through. And, and uh, well, not on phone. a cell phone, but you could have. But anyway, yeah. The, the later that day, I was supposed to be down in that area doing. Um, You're supposed to be at a general nutrition was, yeah, center right to, across from the World Trade yeah, Center. Yeah, supposed to be at a GNC right across from the World Trade Center. Eleven a.m. or something. Doing an appearance. Yeah, eleven or, or twelve that day. Okay. But, uh, well, but that's the last time I can think of. You know where. Everybody pretty much lost the ability to use their cell phones. Right, and and now I would like to voluntarily use lose my ability to use my cell phone. Um, and I'm not kidding. Dear residents of Happiness Lane, yes, yes, indeed, there are many of us up here in Vermont, aka uh, Appalachia, with maple syrup, with no cell service, all capital letters. I know, impossible for many to imagine that not only do we rely on landlines, we even keep on hand our ancient Western Electric heavy-duty analog phone to use when the electricity goes out. I don't know. Are you old enough to remember when you actually got your phone from the phone company back before Bell Telephone wasn't com was completely broken up? I'm old enough to remember, of course. Not only am I old enough to remember, I have two of those Bell Telephone uh, rotary dial phones working uh, retrofit to uh, fit today's outlets. Um, with a handset that weighs nine pounds that you could kill an intruder with. So yes, absolutely. Mine, both of mine are banana yellow. I've talked about this before. Fortunately, I'm getting old with bad eyesight, so I'm happy to know that when I need a new landline, I can find out with easy. I can find one with easy to read displays like the ones <laughs> you got, Rebecca. As always, love the BNC podcast. Keep it up, Joyce in Vermont. Well, it is interesting to think because we get frustrated just when we're driving through an area where we lose service. We have um, one of our good friends lives in a house that you neither you nor I get any service at their house and uh, and but to live in a place where you don't ever get cell service you know the kind of nice challenges that that would pose 
Uh, here's another email to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Restiva, it begins. Uh, just a note to say that we, Tanya and Matt and Troy, in not Tanya and Matt and Troy, but again, Tanya and Matt in Troy, have a landline. We're in our early 30s and love having one, but it isn't an actual landline. It's a cell phone type of box connected to house phones. I think you know what I'm... T- do you know what she's talking about? I'm not sure, but keep going. Uh, you never out. know when you want to take your house phone camping. Kidding. We use it... <laughs> Similar to you folks, to prevent offices from calling our cell phones, and because if anyone calls Matt for important things, I'd never find out about it since he doesn't check his voicemail. Our, ooh, that sounds like a little passive-aggressive yeah, a little bit. Uh, shot at Matt there, but uh, probably appropriately so. Um, our phone system has Bluetooth, so there are some useful features with that. My favorite part of having the house phone is that our answering machine is not voicemail, but like the old ones where people can talk and it echoes through the house. I find this useful to yell at my family from afar, especially when Matt doesn't answer calls when he's around the house. Also, our kids won't, but you can relate to that. Do you remember when you had the, the answering machine that yes. would echo in the yep. house? Yep. Are you there? I know you're there. Pick up. Why aren't you picking up? Right. Well, I guess you're not there. That was half of half of my messages were that. Also, our kids won't have cell phones anytime soon. And I have already told my nine-year-old that her friends will have to call the house and go through the vintage channels to communicate with her via telephone. I do not understand the parents I've met who give out their phone number to other parents, and those parents use it to let their kids call the kids of the parent. That would drive me nuts. This actually is interesting because the phone that I purchased, the landline that I purchased, has a voicemail. That kind of, you know, where it can, you just hear it. And I was thinking, maybe we use that voicemail, and I get rid of the voicemail service um, that we get through the, the telephone company. The only reason that I haven't done that is because I think I have five or six saved voicemail messages from my mother who passed away in 2011, seven years ago. So I'm sure it would take me five minutes to figure out how to record those onto a voice memo on my phone and put them on my computer and save them. But honestly, the only reason that we still have voicemail through the phone company and are not using that answering machine on our new phone is because I want to make sure I don't screw up and lose those those voice messages. It's a silly little thing, but whenever I hear my my mom saying my name, it just makes me smile a little bit. Dr. Gary Siegel writes, uh, our 15 or so year old cordless landlines get used when we know the caller. The caller's name magically comes up on the TV or if we want to call someone. Sometimes it also depends on which phone, mobile or landline is closest. Well, now this is, we're talking my dad, at least at one point he had the thing where the phone number comes up on the TV I, I, I can't stand that. Right, I don't like that either. And finally, last week I also mentioned how when the little girls in the soccer game, when the goalies make a save, they hold the ball up like Simba was held up in The Lion King. And I couldn't remember the name of, it's actually a monkey that holds him up. And the name is Rafiki. And multiple people sent me not only that name, but pictures and video of Rafiki holding up Simba in front of his father, Mufasa. So uh, so anyway, I retweeted one of those at Ball and Chain Pod on Twitter. But you'll appreciate this. Apparently in the movie, Rafiki was voiced by Robert Guillaume. So, um, Benson. So Benson, yeah. So a, a good voice there. And now we know that uh, he played the, the voice of Rafiki. And my last viewer mail comes from Laura. She said she flew on United last week, United Airlines. She said they did not use the new system that I had talked about where they board first the window, then the middle, then the aisle. She said they did not use that system. She had a 7.30 a.m. flight, and 
the flight included an older gentleman who polished off, she said, at least three drinks, and then the rest of us had to wait for him to stumble off the plane when they got off their flight two hours later. So I'm on a flight tonight to Charlotte to go to the ACC Women's Basketball Media Day, and I will be on a flight tomorrow night coming back. So I'm certain I will have the experience of... um, watching somebody toss back at least three of whatever their drink is. And uh, I'll be happy to report that on our next Ball and Chain And they should say, we will be deep planning by level of sobriety. (laughs) Who would get off first? Would it be the stumblers or the... uh, The the most sober. The most sober? the least sober. (laughs) That would be a good way to both plane and deplane. I think uh, I think it, you might be on something. At least deplaning the flight attendants would be in a good position to know who was the least sober. Yes, exactly. And and we should mention before we say goodbye and let Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out that our next podcast after this one will be our year anniversary. We've been doing this podcast for almost a year, and we are going to celebrate that on our next episode. So until are, you, you're suggesting that we have something special planned, we have nothing planned. I guess we have six days to plan something. Well, we'll we'll treat this like our um, our youngest daughter, and we will uh, we'll wait till we have our eighth year, and then we'll actually have something planned. But we should at least let people know that we're approaching a year. Tom, Dick, and Harry had a gig this past week. Somebody sent me video from the gig, uh, just a a fan of them playing Stingray. They're a great song that they have to record so that we can play it on this podcast, but they haven't done so yet. So but someone sent you video of that? They did. All right, so you will f- figure out a way to forward that to me, and I'll post some of it on our Instagram account at Ball and Chain Pod because okay. I think people would like to hear and see Tom, Dick, and Harry playing, even if it's just a, a small portion of Stingray. But until we post that, you will have to do, and we should thank Denny Gallagher, producer Denny Gallagher, Denny with one in. I think Denny, we're, we're expecting Denny to be in-house for our one-year anniversary show. So that makes it special already, yes. Until we post Stingray on Rebecca's Ball and Chain Instagram account, we'll let Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out to tide you over. Tom, Dick, and Harry? Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane